0: Hi, I'm Daniel Budai and this is the Ecom Show a podcast where you can learn more about the world of high-performing e-commerce players and marketers. The show is brought to you by the team of Budai Media. Let's grow your e-commerce business together. This is the next ep- episode of our Ecom Show the Christmas edition. And this is the first time that we invited uh, five different companies and uh, SMS Bump, uh, Mihail, the founder of SMS Bump, uh, Charlie from Gecko Square, the Facebook ad uh, agency, Martina from Octane AI, a great messenger chatbot company, Fiona from Loyalty Lion, it's a loyalty app company, and finally, uh, Ben, who is our senior account manager at Budai Media. I will uh, ask a few questions from them, about uh, mostly about uh, how an e-commerce business can retain their uh, customers in uh, 2021, and also I will ask them to tell us about their Black Friday uh, experience. Before we jump into it, I just want to say thank you uh, for uh, our team, especially Douglas, our content manager, who could uh, manage the you know, just to make this happen and also to the guests and, uh, yeah, let's, let's get started. So, um, my first question is, um, how was this, uh, Q4 and this holiday season different than in the last few years? What are your experiences? Mihail, I give you the stage.
1: Uh, yeah sure so i'll be very short. Sure. thanks for uh having me um so the main the main difference that we experienced was that the actual sales were starting throughout uh the uh, beginning of september Um they weren't batched across different important dates as and as we know there are quite a few across the q4 range so we were seeing a lot of uh, campaigns starting as early as uh, september uh, October was a little bit more quiet uh, than, than usual. And uh, from there on, uh, around the Black Friday week, usually sales start on Thursday. But this year, we noticed a lot of them starting as early as Tuesday, uh, a lot firing on uh, Wednesday as well. Um, and um the other thing that we noticed is that a lot of the brick and mortars which were impacted by the uh, Corona crisis actually had the time to start having some online presence. So they were really, really vocal about this as well.
2: Amazing. Charlie? I'm not going to lie. I think you kind of summed it all up there, if I'm honest. they um, did. We, we saw a really similar thing. We saw a lot of sales early on. Um, September, October were pretty were really solid. Uh, And then obviously going into November it's because a lot of businesses had to adapt to survive. Again, like you said, a lot of bricks and mortar stores had to transition online. Otherwise they literally just wouldn't have a business. So, you know, we onboarded a whole bunch of clients that relied on events, bricks and mortar, transitioned everything online and it's, it, I think comparing it to last year, it's been even more competitive. You know, we'd seen Facebook ad costs and Instagram ad costs um, go up again as we see every year, um, but even more so in, that, in the last kind of two weeks, November, it was um, really, really busy and you had to have the right strategy to come out on top, basically. Otherwise, you could just sink loads of money into the platform and not get a lot back. So it all depends on what strategy you had and how early you kind of prepared for that really busy time of year.
0: Yeah, preparation was key, I think. Uh, Martina?
3: Yeah, it's hard to follow these guys. Say, taking the words right out of my mouth. Uh, but from from the Octane side, I mean, we we saw a, uh, a huge uptick with our clients, again, preparing their strategy. But prior thinking about the pandemic, uh Sales were skyrocketing way before we got even close to the holiday season. People were offering deals and discounts even during the summer. Um, but what was what was uh, really, really interesting to me was um, a lot of brands were, were focused on ways to level up their opt-in strategy whether that was through messenger or through our quiz product which um, is a huge uh, great way to collect opt-ins and we saw a lot of of stores being interested in looking into new ways to do that. When tipi- in a typical year, I think a lot of uh, stores are like shutting down, thinking about other strategies or bringing on other uh, technology prior to the holiday season. They were open to a little bit more uh, of a difference in, in thought process or, or um, you know, a different idea as to how to approach that holiday season and the rush. Mm-hmm.
0: Fiona, what, were, what was your experience?
3: I think the most interesting
4: thing that we saw was actually a shift in consumer behavior. So traditionally, Black Friday, people aren't that loyal. They go after the discounts. But we actually saw that flip around a bit this year. So when we surveyed people in the run-up to Q4, we found that I think it was around 70% said that they'd be going to the stores where they had points and rewards already built up. And then over 50 said they would be going back to brands that they knew and trusted over the weekend. And actually... It's completely what we saw. So customers redeemed 48% more rewards over the Black Friday weekend than they would any other weekend of the year. They also opened, I think, about 20% more loyalty emails. So we just saw them engaging a lot more with the brands that they already knew, which kind of suggests that the battle between discounts and loyalty was a little bit more balanced this year than it has been in the past. Mm
0: -hmm. Interesting. Ben, on the email side, what could you
5: see? Uh, Yeah, we also saw a lot of sales. I think it was the biggest growth in e-com sales. I think we were talking about there was a 20, 20% higher uh, amount of sales in e-commerce than in any other year before. And retail also decreased by the exact same amount. So um, that was interesting. And also from the kind of client side, there was a lot more panicking than ever. And that also means the amount of you know, like last minute requests, let's change this, let's change that, uh, which is normal. You know, uh, it's the busiest time of the year. But uh, yeah, there has been the amount of ASAP requests. is was really, really high. So that was it from the agency side.
0: Yeah, I think uh, this year, as you said, uh, e-commerce has grown uh, with a crazy speed. And brick and mortar stores, their, their sales decreased. As I, as I read the statistics, it's not a secret. We banned, we checked a few statistics in the last few days. And also, um, myself as an agency owner, I could already see the difference around end of August. And uh, I think Q4 really started now in August or early September. So very interesting year. Um, and what do you think... Uh, coronavirus is still here so which were those companies who could really i don't know if it's the right word but you know win in this situation or or come out better in this situation uh, during the coronavirus and and all of these things going on in the world Um, mike
1: what do you think Again, we start with me. Um, cool. So uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll try to be even brief, uh, more brief than uh, the previous one. So, uh, again, you know, when we talk about a global pandemic, when we see millions of people losing their jobs, uh, I don't think there could be a winner. Like all, all of the people uh, need to be compassionate and uh, empathic to what's going on. But in terms of what we saw as uh, industries, I believe that uh, home and garden, um, health and wellness apparel and uh, in particular uh, athletic leisure uh, are some of the verticals as, as well as um, um, also home appliances are some of the big winners out of this uh, whole um, situation here. I mean, I, I pretty much bought nothing but track pants and uh, uh, something comfy for home the last couple of months. And those were the deals that I was uh, uh particularly going for uh, whenever a brand chose to give a discount. So uh, yeah, those are probably the top four out of our scope.
0: Yeah, thanks for sharing. You, you can see a lot of like thousands of stores, how they perform on the back end. So and, yeah, it's very interesting feedback. Uh,
2: Charlie? Um, yeah, so we, a lot of our clients that were anything home focused did ridiculously well. Um, We're talking so well that they had a lot of out of stock issues, a lot of supply chain issues as well, given the impact of the pandemic. So everything from home fragrance, because obviously people are spending a lot more time at home, all the way to, we had some clients in like the child care slash baby space. Um, Again, people couldn't get out to shops as frequently. So any kind of consumable product as well, anything food related did really, really, really well. So, you know, it, it, it obviously trends massively with how consumer behaviors change because you couldn't go out during like peak lockdowns, you couldn't go to restaurants, you know, you had a lot more kind of excess um, ca- kind of cash available to then start spending on stuff that's going to improve your home environment as people's homes became really, really important to them. Yeah,
0: I totally agree. Martina?
3: Yeah, I think uh, one of the things that st- stood out to us is, in in line what um, what Charlie and Mikhail have said is, uh, you're focused on being at home and personal care has exploded. So thinking about the self care, um, kind of taking time for skin care, for things to kind of better your home, um, just just taking time for yourself amidst the world. Chaos, um, quite frankly. And I think a lot of uh, so I, I call out like Beauty Bio and Rooted, they're one rooted as a plant company, something that makes you happy and and really kind of levels up your home, Beauty Bio being a skincare company. Um, but I think a lot of winning brands are thinking about uh and have thought about during this this time is that. The post-purchase experience, and Fiona spoke to it really interestingly, is the people that have have loyalty points are really tied in with uh, the brands that they love. They're watching to see what those brands are doing during this time. Um, And if you're engaged with those customers in a really targeted and and personal way, even post-purchase, it's going to incentivize them. They're going to feel connected to that brand to come back, you know, um, post-holiday and on.
0: Yeah. And you already started uh, replying to the question how to retain the customers. So they are very together. Fiona? Fiona?
4: But I think just to, to build on that, obviously, we, we saw success in all the, the same uh, kind of sectors and particularly actually where people could adapt their product offering a bit. So jewelry brands, for example, could start selling face masks and it's not too far away from their product or beauty brands could start producing, sourcing, hand sanitizer. Again, not a vast step away. But I think um, the brands that we saw do really well were the ones who almost took their foot off the gas in terms of sales, but made sure that they were Creating a bit of a community. So one that springs to mind, Astrid and Miu, they're a jewellery brand. They created this content hub. And I mean, I love it. I've spent so much time on it over lockdown. It's got podcasts, it's got uh, playlists to get you through different types of work days. It's got interviews with their CEO, like all this different stuff. So it's, it's more than just a get the look guide or a style guide. It's an actual mm. kind of destination. So at a point where not everybody was feeling too flush or able to go out and purchase, they were still giving you a reason to interact with their brand and making you feel like you were part of something quite special. Mm. So I think, yeah, anybody who focused on that feeling of connection and community will have done quite well.
0: Amazing. I really like the idea of the playlist. I, I could see a brand doing it and I think it's amazing. Mm. Yeah,
5: um, Ben? Yeah, so the industries that i would add to the ones that the guys mentioned before so one of the industries that we saw performing really well is paint on demand it's hard to explain it's you know when you take a picture and then you want to paint it yourself so basically anything that is you know sitting at home it's a hobby you can spend your time doing it especially in groups of people like we have seen, you know, like those brands that sell items for people to do things together has done quite well. And in other industries, uh, food delivery, especially things like healthy chocolates, for instance. So yeah, just people don't go out shopping these things. And then, you know, they just, they just go on the internet and just order them. So they have seen really, really good returns. And uh, what I would also add to it is, for example, one industry that's hasn't done well for instance is this adventure you know survival gear like that kind of stuff unfortunately for them um it's obviously not not the best time for them at the moment
0: yeah yeah thanks for sharing all of these um and maybe the biggest question because everyone uh, every company here we are related with customer retention lifetime value how to help brands to to improve these numbers so what do you think, uh, what would what would be your best tip to retain the new customers next year? Um, maybe if you can just give one tip, one hack, how to do this uh, or the right mindset. Let's flip the order now and um, I would start with Ben.
5: Well, I have the easiest job now because probably um, everyone else will want to say the same thing. It's just, you know, basically delivering on expectations. That's the best way I can describe it so for instance a classic example of this is running a Christmas sale before Christmas saying that your item will arrive and then your item is not going to arrive so for example this is obviously a bad example of customer retention Uh, it's not not the best so just just when it comes to any kind of you know relationship and that's what brands also build with their customers is you know, set expectations and then deliver or over deliver on them.
0: Yeah, under promise, so under promise, over deliver. Just as a side story, I order food now like almost twice a day, every day. And uh, in the app, I can see the delivery time, which is usually like a half an hour, but I always get it in 15 minutes and under promise, over deliver. And I, I just really like it. Um, it's amazing. Um, Fiona?
4: I think that's a really great point and it, it's kind of all about trust isn't it and I think uh, if you want to retain your customers they need to trust that you're being authentic and I think the, the big thing for me about that is customers want to shop with brands that share similar values or similar beliefs so more and more it could be you only want sustainable products or you, you're a vegan and you want to shop with a, a brand that supports that and um, I think making sure that that comes through in your messaging and your loyalty program and everything that you're doing so it's not just a a flippant statement it's actually you're, you're proving that your brand stands for something i think that's how you'll retain customers who share the
3: same values as you
0: mm-hmm. yeah thank you uh martina
3: yeah uh on uh, on the kind of the vein of the authenticity t- thing too is the personalization aspect um is huge you know it's one of the key tactics to driving retention overall That's it's a very easy way to kind of look at the textbook we're going to acquire customers we're going to get them to uh to purchase and then you know we hope that they come back we have a loyalty program or we have some sort of post purchase uh situation uh or plan to get them back but personalizing the customer journey from the get-go um it is a great way for for retention really engaging with customers on the right channels from the start with the right messaging as fiona said well will really pique their interest and show them that the brand really has the best solution for their needs. Um, And then they will, you know, become a loyal customer and hopefully build LTV with that brand for for years to come.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a survey funnel is is an amazing thing. And uh, later you can talk more about the new feature of Octane. It really helps brands with that. Charlie?
2: Um, So obviously what everyone else has said makes perfect sense is really, really important about authenticity, but coming from a paid media kind of agency side of things. So one of the campaigns that we implement for clients, um, is literally called existing customer retention campaigns in terms of driving repeat purchase. So it's taking your customer file, uploading it into a customer file, custom audience within ads manager, Or syncing it if you use Klaviyo, uh, which is always our recommendation because they've got an auto-sync function, as well as building in any pixel purchase data, for example, and then running new campaigns with complementary products to those people who are your existing customers. And because those audiences are typically smaller, you don't need huge budgets to do it on, but because they're already a customer and you've established that initial trust to get them to pay for the first set of products they've bought... You see really, really high return on ad spend. And that can kind of sit alongside any email marketing you do. That's always our suggestion. Um, it's like a really easy win campaign you can implement from a paid advertising perspective.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds like you you like integrating everything with Facebook and 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 what you do and just have this yeah. on the channel experience. Mm-hmm. Um Mikhail?
1: Yeah, sure. I think it's gonna be another, um, as Fiona said, I, 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 I really loyalty programs are a great way for you to uh, retain customers. Also, um, just probably following up twenty days after the order uh, got delivered with a review request, just making sure that the customer got and. Uh, the order and they're actually happy if they're happy you can try to upsell them something with a flow so you can automate that if they're unhappy you can direct them to a customer support to find out a little bit more about what exactly they're unhappy about and in their interim you can just send them some content not not necessarily try to ask them to purchase straight away but just if you can feed them some content based on what they uh, purchased before i think those are all um basic but necessary strategies for making sure that uh, one-time purchasers go to repeat ones.
0: Yeah, thank you. Um, Let's uh, go back to uh, Black Friday. And can you mention any specific strategy tactic that you used or or your clients used, and it worked pretty well, um, or maybe something that they can use even in slower months? now we are before january february those are usually sm- uh, slower months so if you can mention anything what uh, our listeners can implement that that would be great Um uh, mihail you want to start again
1: yeah for black friday someone mentioned uh, quantities was always a problem um i think it was charlie you just need to make sure you have enough stock in order to supply your products obviously forecasting demands with Uh, the uh, uh, global logistics uh, uh, slowdown has been a problem. Um, However, for the slower months, definitely divide and conquer, do more campaigns of uh, different segments, do not blast the same thing over and over, over uh, any channel pretty much, but kind of like the, you know, uh, create different segments of people that have purchased but haven't purchased in the last XYZ or just try to uh, start, Um, holiday seasons uh, a little bit earlier like prior to st valentine's for instance it's uh it it, it's mostly due less uh uh, but more often yeah yeah yeah
0: it's a great advice charlie um okay
2: yeah so black friday strategies so we spoke to facebook about this one and wanted to run it by them um and it was all about basically building up a lot of your warm and hot audiences in the prior months. So spending a lot of uh, money on kind of cold acquisition, sending traffic to your website. And then when black Friday approached, doubling down on website, remarketing, lower down the funnel, which has typically higher conversion rates and gets a better return on ad spend. And the other thing we did was actually starting black Friday sales early, uh, particularly from an algorithmic perspective. Uh, You don't want to be in learning phase with your Facebook advertising during Black Friday. You want to be out of learning, you know, capitalizing on their machine learning. So we start some, for some clients, we started Black Friday uh, like halfway through the month and said, this is like an early bird Black Friday. And then they had like a Black Friday week similar to what Amazon did. Um, We always like to benchmark a lot of things off Amazon because obviously they put loads and loads of money into research and testing and make up for so much of the e spend online at the moment. So that's black Friday. Then in slower months for a lot of e-com clients, it, it is typically slower January, February, like you said. So looking at how you can position, I, again, looking at more remarketing um, but also a lot of existing customer attention um, in order to get people who bought during that black Friday period to buy again Um, And then if you can positioning some type of uh, like January sale Um, that often works to help improve conversion rates, but only do it like once a year uh, because you don't want to get into the habit of just always having products on sale all the time because then people you're devaluing the brand at the end of the day. Yeah,
0: definitely. Martina?
3: A uh, strong strategy that we saw and helped with the fact that we had launched our new product being a quiz. And a quiz is fun and it's great. Um, but the important part is you are collecting very valuable data about your customers so that you can speak to them on a more personal level. You can interact with them in a more targeted way. So clients that uh, came on and, and stores that started implementing a quiz to gather opt-ins, not only that, but gather this data and understand more about their customers early, um, connecting with them early, made an opportunity for them to not blast a sale, um, maybe necessarily on Black Friday, but to have more targeted campaigns. So integrating with Klaviyo, many of, of those Shopify brands utilize Klaviyo for, for email. Um, dropping those targeted groups that you know a specific, you know, characteristic about uh, their needs, their concerns, um, maybe products that they've bought, and uh, being uh, able to send a very targeted email rather than blasting your entire subscriber list. Um, In doing that, uh, yes, it feels like, oh, we have to create more content for these groups. However, um, Shopify actually posted a blog prior to, to Black Friday, Cyber Monday, noting that, when you do that, you may only reach five percent of your audience, uh, but you those people are actually um, going to likely to spend at least three times more. Um, so, seeing a, a huge uptick in that personalized journey.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I I really believe that this is the future, and it should be the present, but not always for every brand. But it's really the future personalized experience and building on the data what you collected before, um, Fiona.
4: I think the um, the strategy we saw a lot of brands using this year was actually to get ahead of the sales. So everybody started their sales earlier, but a lot of brands using loyalty line only started them early for their most loyal members or their highest tier members. So they got either a special discount or a different discount earlier, or they just got early access to the sale. And I think, you know, that's how you lock in your most valuable customers before everybody else starts discounting. And,
3: mm-hmm.
4: um, and I think in the slower months, Again, in terms of steering a little bit clearer of discounting, your big promotional events don't necessarily have to be big sales. It could be a double points promotion or a bonus points promotion, things that actually, rather than just cutting your prices and risking your reputation a little bit, you're giving people something else that's a bonus that they'll actually come back and use at a later date. So you can still hype it up as a big weekend. It could be just a bonus points weekend instead of a sales weekend. And it's actually going to deliver much more value in the long run than a discount period would.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that, yeah, Ben Ben will, I think Ben, uh, at least I feel Ben will also talk about this. So yeah, I just give him the next, uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
5: yeah actually i will talk about uh, messenger marketing here because we had a client who actually made more money with messenger than with email and the interesting thing that happened with this client is so it would be these sponsored messages kind of thing and people who opted in for those messages you know uh, click here to get your discount code uh, they would also enter a flow where they would because if you're a messenger and you know you opted in Facebook already knows your email address and then what's going to happen is this flow can ask your subscriber uh, is this your email address and then they can just click on yes or they can just click on the email and then this way they can actually subscribe officially to uh, your email lists and obviously you can clarify that you can also get, amazing offers and you know like a different tailored offer for the for the email list and this way we could maximize our basically sales for this brand for for messenger while also building the email list which is something that was really powerful for this brand
0: yeah and we can also ask for the phone number so yeah it's amazing yeah, uh, for this. <laughs> what i wanted to say uh, is uh, You don't need a holiday to have an amazing sales event. Actually, before Black Friday, Ben, I think we did for uh, one of our clients a Singles Day, which is a Chinese holiday, but it still worked out pretty well in the US, which is quite interesting. But if the audience resonates with it, then why not? So
5: so Yeah, Yeah, we even wrote an article about this, and we had a person from the US commenting that it doesn't mean anything to him that it's Singles Day, but yeah, it's just one more good example of how basically any excuse, uh, can be, you know, good for uh, a discount if, if it's that kind of brand. I, I also agree with Fiona on the fact that it can devalue your brand. So, um, yeah, it's just something to think about.
4: But I think actually funnily enough, you can use it to add value to your brand as well in some ways. So we had a, a, I can't remember. It was an environmentally friendly nappy brand, I think. And on earth day, They did a huge promotion promotional event bonus points and they it did really really well because if you're buying compostable nappies or diapers then earth day is something that's going to be important to you so i think if you can find and there's a day for everything now there's international coffee day international women's day men's day you know there's going to be something that aligns with your brand so i think it's also worth as a bit of a marketing point looking out for those as well
0: yeah and the context really matters here so i think that's the that's the key um so my next question is: um, Many change, many things has have changed this year, and what do you expect from twenty twenty one? Maybe if you can mention only one trend, what you expect, um, that would be great. Um, ben, you want to start? again? Yeah. sure.
5: So I'm gonna I'm gonna get the the easy one out of the way, which is subscription. The growth of the subscription model. So we just see more and more brands uh, just. If, if they have a subscription model, just being really, really powerful, they can use um, a software like Recharge or something like this to, you know, basically eliminate this painful problem from a lot of customers um, buying behavior basically, where if it's a product and we've actually seen the subscription model work really, really well with products that you wouldn't expect, for example, watches, and uh, also fashion and you know just like get a shirt a, a, a month uh, or something like this and yeah we just see that it's, it's really really powerful you know because people if they have to every month keep going through this purchasing journey of oh, i have to enter my details now i have to do this and this they have to take time out of their day proactively to actually purchase make this purchase and if you can remove this it's just really really powerful so subscription all the way
0: Yeah, thank you. Fiona?
4: Um, I think the big trend I'm expecting slash hoping for next year is around, um, we talk about customer journey as from when you hit a site to when you make a purchase, but I think we're going to see a lot more brands thinking in between those points. So in the various touch points from before a purchase, and then actually how do I get people back to my store? Even if they're not ready to buy yet, that's fine, but we can still keep them engaging, following on social media, that kind of thing. I think we'll just see the customer journey extend to incorporate a lot of different points.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Martina.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think overall online shopping consists of uh, like multiple channels, right. To influence those buying behaviors from Facebook ads to Instagram ads, emails, texts, messenger marketing. Um, They brands have the power to really connect and reach our target customers in a number of ways and and really at any moment. But the kind of ability to engage with those customers becomes a little bit more difficult when everyone has that power, every brand, even your competitor. Um, So by collecting like buyer profile data, personalizing the customer journey whether it's more at the beginning like fiona said or at the end the post-purchase um post-purchase journey um you can actually engage with customers with extremely targeted um and relevant messaging kind of no matter the point of the journey that they're in
0: yeah 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 Uh, i think that's crucial and um yeah in our agency we try to have the same approach like only channel and and multiple things, um,
2: Charlie. Um, okay, so I think there is. I think the price of Facebook advertising and Instagram advertising is going to decrease next year, as opposed to increase, because okay. it's getting a lot more complicated, um, and there are some absolutely massive data regulation changes happening in January. That means. You're going to be pushed more towards like server-side API tracking. There's going to be limitations on events you can track. So I think for anyone who's new to the platform, they're going to really, really struggle without a lot of guidance or a lot of existing experience. So I actually think a lot of people will leave the ad platform because in its new form that it's going to, that's taking shape come January when they get rid of things like 28-day click windows and they move everything to seven-day. Um, And so you're going to lose that visibility on your data. It's the behavior is still going to be there, but as an advertiser, you're going to be more reliant on your backend metrics and really understanding your customer journeys. And I think a lot of, a lot of businesses that don't have that level of knowledge or don't know how to begin are going to kind of move away from the platform as, as kind of complexity moves people out of it. So I think with the demand decreasing, Um, and the same amount of supply, the price is going to go down. So it's a really, it's a going to be an amazing time if you can keep up with the changes and know how to adapt to it. Cause this is the biggest shift that I've seen in the six years of running the agency and like 10 years of buying media, you know, we've seen it all over the news about data and privacy and, um, it's, it's finally happening basically.
0: Yeah. Very interesting changes. I just read about the new iOS version and how it will affect Facebook. Maybe do you have any thoughts about that? Is Uh, it a real concern?
2: Yeah, it is, genuinely. It is a real concern that they're going to be limiting how many... They're completely removing data views like 28-day click, 28-day view, dropping everything to seven-day windows. Um, So, you know, that has a huge impact if you've got a higher-priced product that takes longer... For purchase consideration then if it's past seven days you're not going to get you're not going to see that in your advertising even though it can still happen on the back end so evaluating channel effectiveness is going to become much harder and that's why we work with a lot of our clients really closely to understand their back end metrics and really have insight as an agency on those so we can determine the real impact of the work we're doing but it is a genuine it's a really big deal and it's quite concerning if i'm honest Mm -hmm. um yeah so that's why facebook's shifting everything towards server side tracking but the biggest limitation is the facebook app and they're obviously going up against apple that has all of these new rules and data they're going to be showing a pop-up basically whenever you open facebook that says do you want to be tracked across Mm third-party websites and it's going to give the user the option to say yes or no and i can bet a lot of users are just going to say no. And then that, that cuts out all your remarketing tracking, you know, Facebook themselves, we spoke to Facebook about it and they say small businesses, it might, they might see a 60% decrease in trackable results from that iOS change, which is absolutely huge. So yeah, we're uh, scrambling to figure out how to kind of navigate the complexities that's coming in the, in the new year.
0: Yeah. Thanks for sharing. And yeah, about this topic, we could talk for You could talk for ages about it. Yeah. (laughs) Very interesting. Uh,
1: Mikhail, on your side. Um, I'll try to be very, very quick. I actually believe my my point was personalization. I think uh, both Fiona and Martina already did a pretty good uh, uh, gave enough in terms of information. So yeah
0: yeah personalization customization segment your data yeah and take care of the back end because facebook will be tricky next year <clears throat>
2: yeah, yeah my
0: last question to everyone so um yeah in the next few months next year what uh, what are you coming up with as you know your company uh, you do different things and uh yeah, what what can we expect from your companies? Uh, what what you will do or or improve next year, um, Ben? <coughs> if you want, you can get started.
5: Let's do it. So we have been working a lot on our CRO conversion rate optimization service. So you know, it's something that we noticed that is actually one of these things that not many people focus on, or not many people. Pay a lot of attention to. And it's just something that makes a massive difference in your, especially front end sales. You know, if you can increase your conversion rates by just zero point something percentage it can make a massive difference, especially if you're running a lot of traffic, which you won't be able to, according to Charlie, next <laughs> year. <laughs> Conversion rate is gonna
2: be even more important. Like you Conversion
5: said, Conversion rate is gonna be even more important. So that's something that we're gonna introduce. And um, yeah, we're really excited about it.
0: And we already introduced with a few clients and uh, we'll share more <laughs> later, uh, Fiona.
4: And next year for us, is all, it's going to be about data, really adding more insights, more loyalty analytics to the dashboard and making sure that people can really prove the effectiveness of their programs and also more integrations. So um, we've talked a bit about Clavio about and the importance of connecting up your suite of e-commerce tools. So we're going to be doubling down on some of our existing integrations to improve them as well.
0: Yeah, amazing. Uh, honestly, I, I know a few loyalty apps and, and my team and we still struggle to find good analytics and and yeah i think that's really needed in the loyalty um universe or i don't know how to say Um, yeah
4: it's good feedback we'll get working on that
0: (laughs) yeah we are looking uh forward to that uh martina
3: yeah uh next year i mean if it's not clear already, we're very focused on the quiz. We'll be continuing to improve the product. Um, It's been a great several months since we launched uh, and we've gotten a lot of feedback from our partners um, and from our clients and prospective clients as well. Top of the list, a lot of integration work as well, doubling down on some of our integrations we have with Klaviyo, Facebook Pixel. Um, one that I'm really excited about, um, speaking to like the growth of the subscription model, uh, Ben, is our recharge integration. We do have an integration with them on our messenger and SMS side, uh, but the quiz will be able to support subscription products as well. Um, and really ideally where we're going with the quiz kind of very long-term is, uh, obviously very focused on personalization and those buyer profiles, but imagining a world where one day a customer takes a a brand's quiz, the brand now has that data about that customer, they're really targeting them, yes, in marketing and follow-up, but also Uh, a one day they're coming to the site and the site is actually customized that they're uh when they get there they're seeing featured products that align with their needs and concerns or their preferences um so even the site itself potentially personalized to them so that's kind of a long-term goal we're moving into that personalization platform
2: that's amazing um charlie i was gonna say that uh, martina that sounds incredible that's almost like um you know, when you see your YouTube home screen and it's tailored towards what you watch, if that, yep. you could do that in e-commerce, that'd just be, that would yep. work so well. It's, it's exciting. Um, it's going to take a
3: lot of work, but we, yeah, we that's imagine. the, that's the goal, working with a lot of the people in the business to, to help us get there.
2: Awesome. Um, so two things really, the first is from like a done for you Facebook ad side of things. So we're adding additional creative components to our offering. So going beyond just taking existing customer assets uh, and making them look better for social, so building out videos and new images for that, we're going all the way with in-housing from a studio perspective to then have more control over photography and videography around e-commerce products, particularly for e-com brands, more than kind of our service-based clients. So we can be more efficient and uh, get better results because the creative is becoming such an important component of advertising now as the machine learning in Facebook gets so much smarter and you build up loads of pixel data you don't have to worry too much about targeting it all comes down to your offer and your creative which is the first thing someone sees in their feed so we're going to be introducing that and the second thing for businesses that you know, aren't at the stage of becoming agency clients because there's certain criteria and minimum spends and things like that. I'm launching a, like a do-it-yourself Facebook advertising course, um, along with a mentorship program attached to it, which I've already run in beta for the last three months. And that's been really, really good. So I've got my Lamborghini rental ready for those terrible ads that you always see on YouTube and Facebook of someone with a flashy car um that's all ready to go no just joking obviously but yeah that's going to be coming so building out a new course for people who want to do it themselves and basically take all of the agency insights we have over the years and the millions in spend that we manage and being able to help people who are kind of just starting out to really guide them because that's going to be so important
5: i would love year. to see you in that lamborghini though
2: oh yeah you oh, do. yeah yeah you bright know, orange is gonna be yeah,
5: yeah. please
0: it will be a busy year for you. That's yeah,
2: cool. it's going to be really busy. I can't wait, though. It's going to be
1: awesome.
2: Nice. Uh, Mihail? Yeah,
1: sure. So um, uh, for us, definitely, uh, as uh, Elon Musk said the other day, um, less PowerPoints, more work on the product, making sure it's uh, sticky enough. So we'll be working a lot on uh, buyer profiles, um, more engaging ways to collect subscribers, um, tons of integrations with um, uh, key players in the space um, as well as more synergies across all the product lines uh, and of course uh, personalization just like uh, uh, martina said I think it's very important for us being in the marketing space to uh, make sure that we really can hit the right person at the right time with the right content and that we have all the data that uh, 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 to support what what we want to achieve uh, with, uh, with, with with marketing nowadays.
0: Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, so these were the questions. And uh, again, I really appreciate everyone who, who joined us today, the listeners and the guests as well. Um, every Thursday we are coming out with a new episode. Uh, so stay tuned. And uh, yeah, thanks again. And uh, we will put the links of all companies and everyone's profile into the description on our website and and, uh, you will be able to find those. So yeah, thanks again and see you soon. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Ecom Show podcast. If you want to learn more about e-commerce, retention marketing, check out our Facebook group called Top 3% Ecommerce Email Marketing. Or check out our website, thebudaiimedia.com. The show is brought to you by the team of Budai Media. See you in our next episode and don't forget our goal. Grow your e-commerce business together.